Hey, this is Vanessa. This is Carlos. And you're listening to Retro Ad Review. This is a podcast where we select a couple of random old TV commercials and review them. So if you like commercials, listen in. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Retro Ad Review. Hi, everybody. All right, so it's the kind of lovey-dovey season, and we're going to be focusing on a particular kind of that topic, but not really. So what are we looking at today? We have Valentine's, but but not the day people named Valentine. (laughs) Okay, so it's a slight twist on Valentine's Day. Probably because last time we used up all the jewelry and chocolates. Yeah, it's kind of hard. There's jewelry, chocolate, and... Maybe some sort of flower, flower, flowers. We could do perfume, but instead we're doing this. Yeah, we're going to do this one because it's kind of more fun. Um, So we're looking at people named Valentine in honor of Valentine's Day, which should be fun. Um, So I think we can just jump right into it and see if you can figure out who's the Valentine in the commercial while you listen to it. So here we go. We need live entertainment. A what? From Wendy's. They've never heard of... You haven't either? Okay. The Big Classic. Introducing Wendy's new Big Classic. The soft Kaiser bun, the fat tomatoes, the fresh toppings, the beef. This is the good stuff. Big Classic! Big Classic! Big Classic! Easy crowd. That was a weird commercial. I am... Classic of that era. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it definitely felt. But then again, I guess they didn't see much of that because I was either not born or a little kid. Yeah, it felt low energy. <laughs> I don't know if that if that makes basically, any sense. Basically, it's just a guy who apparently is named Fuller. I couldn't really find out if this was a series or how. I mean, there is a series because he's there in a few commercials, but I don't know if it has a story because apparently his name is Fuller. So this Fuller guy is at the 1980s, 1950s drive-in with his girlfriend or whoever. And then he's like, hey, the screen sucks. So instead of playing a movie, he gets up on stage and then starts preaching the virtues of the big classic with its styrofoam clamshell opening thing. It shows it. And other people are just like encouraging him. It's like, yeah, the big classic is awesome. The big classic. Yeah, that's just it. And then the whole place is honking because he got a freaking Wendy's burger. And he's like, hey, easy crowd. Uh, He looks at the camera like twice. He looks at the camera when he says, wait, you haven't heard of the big classic either. Then it starts cutting away to it. And then he's like, "Eh, it's an easy crowd because the big classic is just amazing, apparently. Right. So it's it's a... I think this will probably be on the bottom of my list of commercials at the end. It's kind of just... Wait till you see the other. Okay, yeah, I was going to say that. It's kind of a blah commercial. But the focus isn't the commercial. It's about the guy. So who is this man with this perm? He has like a massive (laughs) perm. So who is this guy? that styrofoam clamshell thing. Yeah, I like that too. Looks like he's eating it. All right. His name is... Scott Valentine. Yeah. Okay, so 
The commercial is for Wendy's, and quick recap of Wendy's. Wendy's was founded by Dave Thomas on November 15th, 1969 in Columbus, Ohio, and he was obsessed with square burgers. <laughs> At least that's what I remember for all those weird commercials. cut corners. That was the oh, idea. Yeah. <laughs> it is the third largest burger chain in the world after Burger King, which is second, and McDonald's, which is first. Wait, Burger King is Hungry Jack in Australia, right? Is Something it? like that? I don't know. Well, it's not Burke King. It's a Friday's. And the big classic was made to compete with the Whopper. Right. That's okay. Why, so that's why it was like you know, the Whopper came out. The Whopper came out and it was huge or a quarter pounder. And the big classic for Wendy's was trying to compete with it. So they came up with this. You bring Whopper for everyone? That's a big classic. A <laughs> uh, what? From Wendy's. Okay. And okay. The man in the commercial is named Scott Valentine. He was a classically trained actor. He trained in the stage and the theater and stuff. He went to New York. But his life changed when he was in an altercation with a truck driver. The truck Never driver get into looked, those. <laughs> he looked like he was going to run over a woman and her children and laughing at it. And then he intervened and it got kind of dicey and they were insulting each other. So then he went on his bike going to an audition and the truck driver clipped him. Jesus. And he dragged him under Ooh. the wheel and everything. Oh, my God. And a passing, a passing citizen stopped. I think he was working. So he stopped what he was working. Then he went up to the driver and was like, there's someone under your wheel. Oh, my and then God. That's he didn't good. stop. So the worker guy, he started punching the driver. Wow. Then it stopped. And then he pulled Scott Valentine out of the wheel. And he said his leg was into his hip bone or something. Like oh his leg, God. like shot up into his oh. leg, and his <sighs> hips and everything were crushed. Maybe we should say content warning here. Jesus. Yeah, probably. The Wendy's, not the horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He said he had something of a near-death experience. He felt like like how gravity pulls you down when you jump. Oh, Teddy felt like he was falling up and ascending to wherever, whatever happens. And then the paramedics zapped him with defibrillators and he came back. Oh, so. Well, that's harrowing. So he (laughs) got a settlement out of that, but he was told he was never going to walk again. And he was really, I guess it was lucky, quote unquote. He was young and full of vinegar and he was adamant that he was walking. I so, mean, there's a bit of a spoiler already to this. If you if you've watched the commercial, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> clearly walking around. Yeah, so he recovered for two years, and people were helping him out with that and the settlement money. But luckily, he was able to walk again with his will. That's really cool. Yeah, he so, doesn't look like he's got any issues really when he's walking in this commercial. He looks very like he never had an accident. So he was not going to be on the stage anymore. He moved to Los Angeles and his most famous role he got was on Family Ties. That show that did that weird subversion on hippie parents and conservative kids. Oh yeah, and that was the tall made kind a star of star out of Michael, Michael Ke- J. Fox. What, what was his name? Alex Michael- P. Keaton. Alex, yeah, Alex P. Keaton. Michael, Michael J. Fox. J. Yeah. What was that story of um, he had to know family ties stuff and back to the future? He had to go oh, back and yeah. forth. And to he like really wanted to do 50,000 lines or something. So they accommodated it, but he essentially had to work almost 24 hours. That's like sucks. all the time. Uh, but yeah, dedicated man. 
Scott Valentine played a man named Nick Moore, the dumb environmentalist artist. Environmentalist. Okay. Boyfriend. I get what they're going for. Yeah. Boyfriend of Justine Bateman's character, Mallory. He was dumb. He just said one word and stuff. Nice to meet you, Nick. It's a pleasure having you here. Hey. Uh, he was going to be there one episode, like Urkel. But then the fans Urkel was him. a one episode guy? He was supposed to be a one episode guy. Huh. So the fans liked him so much that they brought Nick Moore back as her boyfriend. He oh, right. So the he was the, the boyfriend's name was Nick Moore. Yeah. Played by Scott Valentine. Okay. Yeah. He stayed there for seasons four to seven when That's cool. it ended in 1989. That must be a really great, that must be so, so nice if you're an actor and it's just like, hey, we're calling you back because everybody really responded well to you. And then you you have a consistent job. Well, there's a double-edged sword to that. He said he felt kind of bad because the character, he didn't feel it was too hard to play because all he said was like one word because he was dumb. Oh, right. But as you will hear now, the fame didn't translate too well either. The fame so, of being a dumb boyfriend environment. Yeah, he felt bad that he got such an easy job, yeah, but yeah, the fame yeah. didn't translate as well as everyone thought. Right. So the character was popular enough that they tried to spin off the character into a pilot TV show. Oh. Not once, not twice. But 15 times. But three whole times. That's a lot of times to try to spin off. I remember I was watching yeah. something about Cheers and they tried to do a lot of spinoffs off Cheers, but they never really made it into yeah. anything. Also, I recently learned Empty Nest was like a spinoff of Murphy Brown. Wait, am I and right about Nurses that? Nurses was a, no, uh, it was um, The Golden Girls. The Golden Girls, there we go. And yeah. then Nurses weird. was a spinoff of Empty Nest. Oh, that was a and weird Jefferson's show. was a spinoff of one of the Archie Bunker things. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of spinoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so they tried it with this so guy, but it didn't quite work out. They tried to spin off him. He based his character. He was like half Fonz, half Stallone in the pilots. Stallone? <laughs> the first was called Taking It Home, where he went to Detroit to live with his grandfather. He went through all the, the promotion and stuff. But the series was canceled after the other main actor, Herschel Bernardi, died of a heart attack. Oh. Second one, which I could not find the name of, had him working at a daycare center with juvenile delinquents. Cool. <laughs> but it failed, and he said it just wasn't as funny when little kids were telling you you were an idiot than when <laughs> adults were making fun of you. Right. And the third was The Art of Being Nick, which happened in 1987. He moves in with his sister and her son in New York City. And he takes a job at a bookstore with his boss, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, what? And he got second place in the ratings, but it wasn't picked up. Hey. What a cruel joke of nature. Oh, that's very strange. Then they said, the executive said they'd like to move it along, but he didn't want to be typecast and he was trying so many times to get this off the ground that was like he didn't want to be stuck with it so he said we're we're killing the character because i don't want to keep doing this and you said julia louis dreyfus right yeah in 87 then cool. 89 she got seinfeld yeah exactly so i guess <laughs> it was probably a good thing she's yeah. really good in seinfeld oh, okay and veep or whatever oh yeah family ties ended in 1989 and his career didn't 
really get that off the ground. He went on to guest star in a bunch of shows, and he got main roles as the voice of the 90s The Phantom old comic strip cartoon show. I am the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And he was the lead love interest and detective partner in the comic book inspired The Black Scorpion TV show. Coming with me, Black Scorpion. Do you remember that? I remember that. I think I do. I kind of have to look that up, but I kind of feel like Roger Corman. He just went at the wrong time because I feel like both of those are comic things, right? So maybe he could have, you know been waited a few years if he waited like 30 years he would have been a bigger deal (laughs) then he would have been 30 years older yeah that's true uh, around that time it was the early 2000s where the black scorpion tv show was around but around that time he also pretty much quit acting and stuff and he later set up a renewable energy investment company which i believe he still continues to do to this day that is an interesting pivot also, he became an environmentalist, <laughs> or at least something akin to an environmentalist. I'm not quite sure where investment kind of comes into it, but at least he's investing in renewable energy. Yeah. That is a weird trajectory for this guy named it all started with a weird Wendy's commercial. Yeah, so in the Wendy's commercial, he's just kind of wearing a leather jacket, and I think he's still in his cool guy. He's basically, he's basically a smarter version of his his next character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so that's Scott Valentine. Should we check into the next Valentine? Yep. Okay. All right. Oh, and if you want to watch that Scott Valentine commercial, it's called on YouTube Scott Valentine, nineteen eighty six, Wendy's big classic commercial. All right, on to the next one. Oh. I wonder if I can get it framed. Oh, but where will I hang it? Over the fireplace? No, no. I know, in the bedroom. Not the fireplace, not in the bedroom, no. Oh, but it could go nice in my wallet. Introducing the private issue card, painted by Ringo Starr. Call 1-800-4PI-CARD. What's the card you design? It's a private issue. Okay. (laughs) How do you like that painting? It's a painting. I mean, it's there. Right. So this commercial is, if you want to watch it on YouTube, it's called November 1995, a credit card designed by Ringo Starr. And what a 1995 commercial this is. There's something about it that just screams mid 90s. It has that like photographer's background looking thing. Yeah. Like a lot of commercials just felt like yeah, it felt like a, everything wanted to be in a photography studio or something. I don't really know how <laughs> to describe that. But there are a lot of blends of 90s commercial types, like the Gen X stuff. But then for the adult stuff, it was always, I don't know. like if you, you were, stuff. <laughs> yeah, pretentious. Much like the previous commercial we just watched was very 80s in kind of its taste and feel. This one's a very 90s, like a very, for an older, more distinguished person kind of commercial. So in this one, we're introduced to like an image of like zoomed in on a kind of painting, what we assume is a painting. And then it shows three people contemplating and looking at the painting, but looking at it and almost, if you weren't actually listening to their voices, if you put this on mute, they almost look disgusted at the painting. Yeah, They look um, kind of like artsy people. Yeah. They're meant to be artsy. Fartsy types. 
yeah, so the woman's wearing like feather head, a feather hat. The last guy is getting a turtleneck and the other guy at the beginning is wearing glasses and rubbing his temple. So I think we're just supposed to assume they're kind of pretentious Artsy art types. People. Yeah. So then after it cuts away from their reactions and inner thoughts on where they would hang this painting, we come to find out it is not a painting at all, but it is in fact a credit card. A credit card with Ringo Starr's drawing. And if I had to describe the drawing, it is a blue background and like like a kid drew a face. <laughs> red eyebrows, white circles for eyes, red pupils, and two lines on top of and underneath each other as the mouth and a green strip in the middle for the nose. So it's yeah. just super basic. It's really basic. The two lines at the bottom look like an equal sign. Like it just, <laughs> it's a face. I, I suspect it's a face, actually. I don't know if it is, but I assume it's a face. And we're just shown Ringo Starr's, um, it has Ringo Starr's signature. And he actually signs it Ringo Starr. With a star. <laughs> with a star, which is news to me. I didn't realize that's how he signed things. So that's the end of the commercial. And then at the end, there's a phone number to call and it's called, it's a private issue. So it's supposed to be kind of saying like this card is so exclusive and high class and, you know, for yeah, discerning boring. people, you know, that they put artwork on it, like Ringo Starr and the people that are looking at it are art aficionados who are snobs. Yeah. There were other commercials where it was like, Hey, what are you, what are you buying with that? And it's like, excuse me, that's a private issue. Excuse me. It's a private issue. Yeah, so there you go. It, that was, Light I guess, that was the slogan for the commercial or for the the, uh, the campaign. So um, Ringo Starr painted this, painted a painting. So this thing that we've just described, you have to see it for yourself. So make sure to look to find this on YouTube. And Not it was that hard to, to imagine because it's simple. It's very simple, and it was used to decorate the private issue credit card. Other designs of this credit card were done by other famous people. So Jane Seymour, an actress, she was a Bond girl, but she's probably most well known to. I say most well known. I don't know if she is. But anyway, she was Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. And I think she was in like Wedding Crashers. I don't know what she's been in recently, but that's those are. I guess that's her big, biggest thing. Though. Those are big claims her to fame for her. Starring role. I think she was very young as well during the Bond when she was a Bond yeah. girl. And Florence Griffith Joyner, who was an Olympic athlete. So they did some artwork and they made them. So, you know, they got an actress, an athlete and a musician to draw pictures. Like a <laughs> so they didn't get artists for this. Well, I guess they're artists of varying capacities, but not like visual artists. Well, is, is acting a visual art? I don't know, whatever. So anyway, like Ringo painted this and he later auctioned off that paint to, to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation. But this isn't about I couldn't Ringo. find what uh, the, the price was he sold it for, but... Well, it was probably decent enough. I mean, it was Ringo and, you know, if it's a Beatle... I mean, these people... These people in the commercial are fighting over it. So maybe they paid $100 for this plastic weird thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they paid a lot more money for the Make-A-Wish. But it's nice that he donated it to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, at least the yeah. proceeds. So this isn't about Ringo. This is about Valentine's, Valentine's Day. And one of the actors in this ad, not the first guy with the glasses, not the second guy or second lady with the hair feather head. It's the last guy. And his name is Turtle Steve. <laughs> his name is Steve Valentine. So if you're listening to the commercial, the very final voice sounds kind of affected accent. So his name's Steve Valentine. He's a Scottish award-winning magician, an actor, a voice actor, a stage actor, and he's also trained in dance. He's known for crossing Jordan. He's also known as the voice of Harry Flynn in the Uncharted series. And I think Alistair, that's where I know him most. 
Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people know him. If you know Harry Flynn in Uncharted, then you know this guy. (laughs) And Alistair in the Dragon Age games, which is also a popular character. So about Steve Valentine, he left home at 16 to do magic shows, which is a a brave choice. And he came (laughs) to the US by getting a job on a cruise. Um, Wait, hold on. If your kid said, I want to leave home to be a musician or a magician, which one would you be most Oh, that's very difficult. (laughs) Um, I don't know. There's a, yeah, I don't know what I would be able to say to that. I guess I'd say go with music. Maybe you I can recuse be myself at a band or something. Magic, magic is actually can be really interesting and kind of cool, but it's not. I feel like it's least less economically viable than even a struggling musician. Yeah. Yeah. You probably earn less like to be a huge magician. There's only like three magicians that people know about. I only know like mm-hmm. David Blaine, who isn't who's kind of a magician. I know Chris Angel and David Copperfield. And there was this one guy, but I don't think he's a magician. He's like this English guy, but I think he's like a mentalist or something. So I don't even think that counts. David. I can't remember his name. It's something. Yeah. I was going to say David Byrne, who's from the. uh, He's definitely not David Byrne. He's a kind of magician. No, it's that that magician of music. the hypnotist uh, specials. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He does interesting specials. It's more so about like, cut hu- it like humanity than uh, than it is about. He did like, that cool zombie. His name was Darren Brown, and for some reason we forgot Penn and Teller. Oh, and then the <laughs> other one that I know of, the other magician, was that magician who did that Secrets of Magicians unveiled and on Fox like twenty years ago, and all the magicians <laughs> got mad at him. I think his name was like Val Valentino or something. That's a Valentino. Very close. We would have done him, but but we're not. We'll save that for another time. Maybe when we do like controversial TV promo commercials. So of this Steve Valentine character after he came to the US. Yeah. So he he ended up getting into acting. Um, His first speaking role was a bit part on Married with Children. And then he was on he was on the show Nikki with Nikki Cox, who you may where she was like a showgirl or a dancer or something. I think so. If you know Nikki Cox, she was an actress in the 90s. In fact, she was in a TV show that was like a low tier, if you can get there, version of Married with Children called... I remember... What was it called? It had a bunny. I'll look it up. It was called Unhappily Ever After. Well, I just remember it had Bob Cat Goldthwait as the bunny and the middle kid from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, it had a few people that were kind of famous-ish. But anyway, Nikki was on that. Um, but this isn't about Nikki or Ringo. It's about Steve, Steve Valentine. And he was, uh, he was on a show with Nikki Cox. Nikki! <laughs> and for Crossing Jordan, which is, if people watch that show, they... That was his breakout role. I was going to say they would definitely be familiar with him. He was suggested to audition for the show by a friend. So he didn't think he'd make the cut, but he was asked back several times and then he became a series regular. And that's how he became, as you said, kind of like his breakout show. I would have called Jordan in. I am somehow both flattered and insulted by that. So then after crossing Jordan and some of these other things, he was also in a Disney show called I'm in the Band, where he played a narcissistic washed up rock star named Derek Jupiter for two seasons. So I guess the story behind this one is that the band lived in a van until a kid, a Disney kid, made a deal to live with him if he could play in the band. So the kid, the kid petitioned a man living in a van to play in his band. 
And the band guy said, yes, correct. <laughs> that was like those uh, doesn't sound, doesn't sound sketchy. British sounding rock star. Yeah, Derek Jupiter. It's me, Derek Jupiter. So, <laughs> so that's a weird show. But as we were saying before, he uh, is probably most well known for his video game, like voiceover, his voice acting. He was Harry Flynn in Uncharted 2 and 3 but an agreement wasn't reached for the last game in the series. So they reused voice clips of him in Uncharted 4. A bit of a shame. I, liked, I remember playing that one. I pl- we played I Uncharted 2 was 4. my favorite. I liked his voice too. He's like some Australian bad guy who betrays Drake. Yeah. Sorry, mate. This is where we part ways. Very Indiana Jones, that whole series. And now that's being turned into a movie. But I was going to say, actually, this whole voice clip thing, like... An agreement thing kind of reminds me now of the Bender not being in the new Futurama. John DiMaggio isn't going to be in. in... Are they going to clip him in? No, they're not going to clip him in. I think they're probably just going to get another voice actor. I don't know all the details. They're going to get an actual Mexican since Bender was born in Mexico. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I forgot Bender was Mexican. Benderito. I think they couldn't reach an agreement or something, but I think John DiMaggio still wants to be part of the show in some way. So I think there's supposed to be a fan push for that to happen. But unfortunately, there was no such fan push for Steve Valentine. So they ended up just reusing voice clips of him in four. He was also Alistair in Dragon Age, a self-doubtful character known for being quippy and witty and all that kind of stuff. Actually, Steve Valentine wasn't supposed to be Alistair. He auditioned, but he didn't get it. But the other person was let go and they asked him to do it. So Alistair became a very popular companion character. I've actually been, had a really wonderful experience with the fans of Alistair and Steve Valentine said he liked how the character was insecure and which is not a typical characteristic of these types of in these games or it's just kind of a fun African heroes fighting dragons with spears you have to be brave but yeah <laughs> but it's kind of nice that they had that so I think he kind of appreciated that and brought that into the character the that into the tone of voice voice acting is really really tough so I'm always impressed with anybody who can actually add layers just through yeah, sound. talking into this microphone freestyle is kind of wearing down on my Yeah, throat. sometimes we, I listen to myself like, man, I'm pretty droney. And it, you need ups and downs and all this kind of stuff to keep the voices interested. But listener, I hope you are actually interested in my voice because I'm not changing it. I don't know. Well, edit the pitches up and down and play loopy sound effects too. If yeah, I'll just add fart noises to it. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve Valentine is also, he's kind of had a history, just like it has been in television through in various means. He produced Hallmark mystery movies based on a series of books, Gourmet Detective. So besides <laughs> video games and Hallmark, I mean, he still does other things. He can still be found on television and he still does magic. So he has not let go of that dream of which he left home at 16 to do. So he's still a magician, magic. which is kind of a nice, a nice thing. So you keep on ma- magicking, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that is the story of Steve Valentine. So we've gone through Scott Valentine and Steve Valentine. Who's the final Valentine? And will we won't... it be an S Valentine? <laughs> we won't reveal it until after this commercial. Hey, Bobby, what are you drinking? He says he's drinking Dunkin' Frozen Caramel Coffee. I went to the wrist. The wrist means mocha. Enjoy delicious Dunkin' Frozen Coffee drinks. The Boston Red Sox run on Dunkin'. Okay, so that was kind of spoiled very quickly. Um, It's Bobby Valentine. So if you want to watch this commercial, it's 2012 Bobby Valentine runs on Dunkin' Coffee ad. 
That so, was 10 years ago. <laughs> ugh, 10 years ago. Oh, man. I hate how time changes. <laughs> All right. So, yes, yeah, so this is a Dunkin' Donuts commercial featuring Bobby Valentine. So the commercial basically starts with a little graphic quotation bubble you see in comics and this overly happy uh, voiceover goes like, hey, Bobby, what are you drinking? Hey, Bobby, what are you drinking? Then Bobby's looking all silent and weird (laughs) with a bunch of hand gestures, but it's supposed to be like baseball calls. So yeah, like when when you do those little tells to to tell your players to say to do something. Right. And then his player comes by and what does he say he wants? A Dunkin' frozen caramel coffee. But Bobby Valentine said that he was pointing to his wrist and that would give you the mocha. Yeah, apparently uh, there's a baseball play for mocha. <laughs> yeah, what, you just grab the cup and throw it at them or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So then it just shows the delicious... Probably better than it looks in real life. Uh, frozen <laughs> mocha coffee from Dunkin. And it has whipped cream at the top. And a little styrofoam cup graphic comes out. And it says that the Boston Red Sox are with Dunkin. Because Ooh. they did make a deal with it. So if you didn't know who this was, I guess you figured it out once it says his name. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> While we're doing Valentine. So Robert Valentine. Bobby Valentine. He was in this commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. A bit of history on Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts was founded by William Rosenberg in Quincy, Massachusetts in 1950. It is one of the largest coffee shops and donut shops in the world. And since the 2010s, at least in the U.S., they are in competition for the coffee market share with, what do you think? Starbucks. Yeah. There's nobody else. Yeah, not really. There's the not really. An, it's, it's independent. Yeah, they're the ones coffee. you see in the airports and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you want coffee and donuts or coffee and uh, cookie, bagel? Yeah, I like, I don't really know what Grape? else. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as they said, they Dunkin' Donuts. What, what were the name changes? Because th- this part right now, it says Dunkin' Donuts, right? But I think they changed it at DD or Dunkin' or something. I don't know, actually. I didn't realize yeah. I did any of that. So they made partnerships with a bunch of things. Like I said, probably airport. <laughs> <laughs> they are the official coffee of the National Women's Hockey League. And like it said in this commercial, the Boston Red Sox. So they have a close relationship with the Boston Red Sox. And with a bunch Ben of Affleck is their unofficial mascot. I just remember there were a bunch of pictures of Ben Affleck. Like, no, um, there were a bunch oh, of pictures. It was just something like, that he, he had it and then people picked it up. Like, yeah, oh, there were these don't... really weird. There were like these two weird or three weird pictures. It was during the pandemic time, um, I think. And Ben Affleck was just like, holding a bunch of boxes and it was kind of falling over and he looked he tired and they were all, yeah, it was all like, he had like a Dunkin' Donuts cup and stuff. Um, right. And then there was another picture like that too. So it's like, well, it looks like Ben Affleck is very Boston. Really I want money. Donuts. Oh, yeah, I want money. So I kind of hope that happens to me. I just have a bunch of things. My picture goes viral with my whatever the heck else, what? <laughs> Subway or whatever the heck. Yeah. I don't know like, hey, Subway. you're the new face. Here's a bunch of freaking money. Yay. Well, anyway, we can also make money as Bobby Valentine did because <laughs> Bobby Valentine was a pretty good athlete. In high school, he was good in football and baseball, and even his other non sport love, which he even continues into this day. Oh, ballroom dancing. Cool. (laughs) 
And I think there's an Olympic sport. get into ballroom dancing? Isn't there an Olympic sport of that? I Maybe don't that. know. I don't know anything about the Olympics, man. So he was so good that he was, they were looking to recruit him. The universities of Nebraska, Notre Dame, Southern California, and Duke University were all asking him to join either of their teams. Football wow. But he chose USC. He was drafted into the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1969, and he went on to play for several teams, including the California Angels, the San Diego Padres, the New York Mets, and the Seattle Mariners. But he wasn't just good in the major leagues. He was also good in the minor leagues. He won the MVP of the Pioneer League in 1968, the MVP in the Pacific Coast League in 1970, and he also won the MVP of the Caribbean Series in 1973. But also in 1973... He suffered a leg injury. Yeah, I, I think I've had one of those. They suck. Got tangled up in like uh, a fence or something. He couldn't get Ew. his feet out and messed up his leg. Ew. It never healed properly, and he never played the same after that. I think he was only like twenty-three. Oh, I think dear. it was like a few days after his birthday. Oh dear! So Another leg injury. Leg is messed up. Valentine well, did... guys love leg injuries. Well, how did you feel? It sucked. <laughs> tell you I that was much. seventeen when my leg broke. <laughs> During his transition from the San Diego Padres to the New York Mets, he was part of the infamous Midnight Massacre, where Mets player Tom Seaver, the franchise face of the Mets, was in constant battles with the chairman M. Donald Grant, who he said he didn't like on a personal level because he said he was an elitist. Tom nice. Seaver went to like a country club and Donald Grant was like, how dare you set foot here because he wasn't rich enough or something like that. Oh, okay. So he seemed like a nasty guy, if you believe Tom Seaver. <laughs> but Tom Seaver, against fan response, was traded to the Cincinnati Reds, as was Dave Kingman, who was traded to the San Diego Padres for minor league pitcher Paul Seaver and also Bobby Valentine. So that's how Valentine ended up with the Mets. So then after the Mets, he played for the Seattle Mariners for one season before retiring at the age of 29. Wow. But he didn't retire from baseball because he then became a manager, which he is somewhat infamous for the way he managed and things that happened to him. Mm. He was first the manager of the Texas Rangers from 1985 to 1992. That's a good length of time. Yeah, but they didn't do so well, and oh. at the end, he was fired by co-partner, co-owner, George W. Bush. Oh, wow. He's a good manager. He's done a lot for this community. But having said that, we were concerned about this pennant race, the 1992 pennant race, getting away from us. And so we decided to make this change in the hopes that the Texas Rangers will be a contender come September. And he said, even though he fired him, he remained friends with Bush throughout his life. That's nice. Then worked <laughs> managing his old team, the Mets. Oh, cool. And sort there, of. <laughs> he started off with their AAA affiliate, the Norfolk Tides, in 1994. And then in 1996, he was promoted to the Mets manager. They ended with 536 wins and 467 Ooh. losses, Ugh. which ended up with him being fired. Oh, okay. So he's been fired from the Texas thing by George Texas Bush Rangers and then fired and the from Mets. the Mets. 
And then he went to the Japanese Pacific League, Chiba Lotte Marines. He managed them twice in 1995 hmm. and in 2004 to 2009. Okay. In 1995, he was fired for fighting with the general manager. And despite winning the Japan Series in 2004 and the new Asia Series 2005, he was fired in 2009. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Both times were unpopular with fans, and he tried to make it attractive to fans because Japanese culture is different, so f- signing up with the actual people and everything. But he even added ballroom dancing to the whole festival. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, that's nice that he brought one of his passions into the whole, to his other back. passion. So then he went to do baseball analysis at ESPN, but he was still considered for managerial jobs, including the Marlins and stuff. But he ultimately went with, as his commercial now states, the Boston Red Sox. Ah. So he was the manager of the Boston Red Sox during this commercial. Yeah. That's why he's there. In I the, don't know. He could have just been an old player of that team and they were just bringing him out or trotting yeah, him out. Yeah, commercial. But he was the manager. Okay. Yeah. But his season is known as a not very good season. <laughs> Flashes oh, no. with players, coaches, and the media. I think he said out loud, one player, he said, uh, he's, his head isn't in the game anymore. And I don't think he wants to play or something. Then mm. one of his other players said, no, that's not right. So it became a media storm thing. Oh, okay. And Man, like, it sounds like some drama seems to follow this man. Um, yeah, he just his managerial the history. general manager and stuff. So it was a bad season? <laughs> yeah, and their injuries, there was a lot of injuries. And it was their worst season since 1966 oh geez they got 69 wins 93 losses they came in last in the american league east and what happened to him after the season i assume he was fired he was fired (laughs) (laughs) So so fired from the texas rangers the japanese thing the mets and now the boston red sox yeah so I would he say he can't cut a break, was... but he cut multiple breaks. So uh, maybe he just rubs everybody the wrong way. He claimed he never should have taken the job and should have stayed at ASPN because he got all the money. But he made fun of his many firings in a commercial. Right. Okay. That's kind of cute. Uh, it's like, oh, you're fired. You're fired from all the five teams he was fired from. <laughs> Hire or fire Bobby V? Vote at cbsportscom slash Bobby V. He then became athletics director of Sacred Heart University. Okay. He also had a political career. Oh, okay. That's definitely a pivot. His home. His other passion. Stamford, Connecticut. He was appointed to the director of public safety. Oh, okay. Well, that's a weird one. All right. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie suggested to the incoming Donald Trump administration that because of his history with Japan, he should be ambassador to Japan, but oh. he did not end up becoming that. Okay. And in 2021, he ran for mayor of Stanford with the backing of the Republican Party because the Republican nominee dropped out. And even his old friend George W. Bush came out to help him. But he lost as an independent coming in second to the first woman mayor of Stanford. Hmm. And that was the last story on Bobby Valentine. Which is what will happen to him next? <laughs> Maybe he'll manage something else. It seems as though he wants to manage 
politics or something like that. So or he'll uh, just ballroom dance until he can't. Yeah, maybe he should just like generally. I just like how that was like a through line through his whole life. It's kind of that's definitely a nice aspect to him. Okay, let's blow through this popsicle stand. Let's finish this up. We should now rate our top commercials and our bottom commercials and our middle commercials. Okay. All right. So, which is your least favorite? My well, least favorite. Yeah, I know which uh, my least favorite is. I don't know. say it yours because they're a little tough. I think my least favorite is Scott Valentine. I don't really get what's going on, and it's just kind of, it's just, uh, it's not really anything to me. Like it's just nothing. It's just there. I, I really have nothing to say about it. I just, it does nothing for me as a commercial. And and that's that's a shame because the big classic is supposed to be the competitor to the Whopper, and I feel like a bigger deal could have been made. I don't. I'm still struggling because. Go with I'm your heart. Go with. I guess the the Steve Valentine private card because I mean it did have more than the Bobby Valentine one, which is I'm kind of weighing it against. Mm-hmm. But it just had that boring, pretentious mid-90s photograph backdrop. And it looked more like it was just pitching the Ringo Starr thing than some sort of card. And as far as the things are, card, I don't really give a darn about a credit card (laughs) (laughs) with a child drawing face on it. (laughs) Okay, all right, fine. So number two for me would be... I know what number two for me is. Bobby Valentine... For me, it'll be Bobby Valentine and the uh, Dunkin' Donuts because it's just kind of simple. It's like, oh, look, the funny manager guy. He's doing his silly uh, calls and stuff. And right. And his other can't act player comes in there and says, hey, uh, he means he wants this. It's like, nope, I actually want Mocha. Why don't you understand my plays? It's just silly, but the fact that they can't act, it, it makes it funny. And then they show the delicious mocha coffee and that's it. I think for me, it's the second one would be the credit card one, the Ringo Starr one, just because it's, I don't know, I liked it more than Scott Valentine one. And I just kind of like the pretentiousness aspect of it. And then it's just some crappy card. There's something kind of funny about it to me. So I think that's genuinely why <laughs> I like a it. basic looking paint. I'm sorry, Ringo Starr, but I don't like it. That's kind of um, what I hate about the art world. You can do anything and... The value of it is of something else, usually not of the quality of the painting. Like with a car, it's like I want a good car. Yeah. With art, it's the subjectivity is so up there and it can go so high in value. It's just like, why does this make money? Yeah. So I just rant on the art world, even though I'm not really in it or have anything to do with it. I yeah, that would be my second one, which means my first one is actually Bobby Valentine, the Dunkin' Donuts ad. I just like it's just a simple little one. Like I don't know anything about baseball, but it's just kind of a. I just find it's a little bit cuter and a little bit more. There's like some some sort of story is happening here, so I, I like that about it. And it's very it's very short. It's a 15 second ad, so I like that. This one, my favorite, I guess, would be the Scott Valentine one for the Wendy's. Big classic. I always think of the Big Bacon classic because that's when I always heard it, but they discontinued in like 20... Big Bacon classic. I'm so happy I got the Big Bacon classic. 
Yeah, you just add strips of bacon. Wow, that's so much. I didn't know that. Remember we used to kill them out with the tin foil and then open it up? I used to like it when I used to eat hamburgers, but but basically it's just it's fun. It, it's not that fun, but it's uh, oh wow, some cool guy he hops onto the he's a rebellious teen and he gets on top of the drive-in movie theater because it's not playing, so he provides the owner entertainment and they all get delicious burgers. It appeals to me in some sense, I guess. The oh. other two just had this blandness to not I don't want to yeah, say bland, these- but they were less excitable than him he at least said hey i want to eat my burger all of these commercials aren't exactly like wowing me um (laughs) (laughs) but which is fine which which is not that huge of a problem but yeah they're not like making me you know they're not thrilling me in any real way okay so then that kind of just simply means that we had very, very different views on how to interpret these no, commercials. That doesn't okay. usually happen. Yeah, but it's yeah. Nice that it does. Every now and does. Every now and then it does. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that we now quickly have to choose which, which product- based off of this, which would you actually buy? So uh, I or guess would you go with Scott Valentine as well because like, hey, I enjoy a burger. Yeah, hey, they showed me I a guess burger. I can too. That was it. Like they no, showed me like, a burger. Wow, that was hard and. I guess the acting in the Bobby Valentine one. I mean, they show the delicious drink, but it's just like yeah. Oh. But the link drink doesn't entice me as much as the burger. Yeah. So I think that's and why I probably it's choose the direct. Burger. It's like a guy wanting to eat a burger and gets it. Yeah. Rather than baseball and a drink. <laughs> yeah, right. I think. And I think um, that's it, really. Bonus round question: Who would you choose as your Valentine? that's a a very funny question um who would i choose as my valentine maybe scott he looks fun (laughs) i i don't know because i kind of liked the uncharted series and the dragon age thing but i did like the black scorpion tv show so i don't know i'm a bit torn here i guess i gotta pick one one. Steve steve valentine which one's Steve? The freaking uh, credit card thing. Yeah, okay. You have to spell that out because we've said Valentine for everybody. So like <laughs> sometimes you might not know. All okay. right. That is the end of our episode. We thank you for joining us on this journey of Valentine's themed, uh, tenuously Valentine's themed episode. If you like us, um, please make sure to subscribe. Thanks for liking us, by the way. But yeah, subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcast stations. Um, We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Retro Ad Review. So we will be back after the holiday love season at some point with another episode. What will be? We don't know, but we have probably the drunken season of St. Patrick's. Oh, yeah. After After the love season comes the drunken season. So we might do something on beer again. A lot of beer ads out there and a lot of them are very, very good. I think I want to do a beer one. Let's do a beer one next. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, So thanks for that. And we'll, you'll hear from us soon. (laughs) Bye. Hug your loved ones tight. Goodbye. Bye.